Welcome to a new episode of Talking Rivals, a weekly show exploring everything about the best bleeping rivalry in baseball. Co-hosted by Patrick, covering the Boston Red Sox, and myself, covering the New York Yankees. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter, slash X, at Talking Rivals. You can follow Patrick, at Patrick Trotty. You can follow myself, at CP7NY. And you could also find our podcast wherever you find your podcasts, at Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. And you could also find us at sportswireradio.org. And you can follow the station manager there, Thomas Bryce, at Thomas Bryce 2017. And you could find out the scheduling for all the other great shows that are on there. So, Patrick, we're back, and we're still waiting for some of these big names to sign. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's. I think it's that saying from the Army, hurry up and wait. It's yeah. like, what's going on here? It's... it's uh, our teams are testing our patience. It's um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's another saying. It's getting late early. I mean, it, it's what what are we looking at? Three week, two and a half weeks, or no, two weeks from the middle of this week. Yeah. Until pitchers and catchers report, full teams report within three weeks from now. So, and I know there's a there's a decent amount of names still on the board in free agency, but. Teams are, there's nothing like waiting to the last minute. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's because more teams feel like they're in it. You would think that maybe, I, I would think that with the added wild card and all that in the last couple of years, you can make the case for more teams being in it in the offseason. They can kind of talk themselves into saying, oh, let's go after this free agent. and. You know, if things break right, we can make it into the playoffs. And, but there should be more signings by now. I, I think I think we said it a couple episodes ago. I really think that Major League Baseball should do – it would be impossible to do like a one-day signing thing. But do like uh, three weeks where the signing is open. Right. And just figure it out after that. Or yeah. two weeks where it's Major League contracts. After that, you can – trickle out the minor league invitations and the spring training and whatnot after that. But there's got to be something that happens that's that kind of quickens this up. But as far as our teams, uh, in the last in the last two weeks, the, the biggest news right now with the Red Sox is uh, the, the name that they're talking about is bringing Garrett Cooper to fill in as the right-handed, I say power, but I say it in quotes because he's a nice player, but I don't know if he's really going to get the job done. I mean, last year in 400 at-bats, he had 17 home runs and he batted 250. Yeah. Okay. He had zero war. Hmm. Zero wins above replacement. So he doesn't bring much as far as he played a little right field, and he's like a backup first baseman. So he's basically a DH. Um, I don't know. Why not just bring back Justin Turner? Well, what's the problem there? Yeah, I think Turner's looking at it as – I think he's holding out for a two-year contract. And you don't think the Red Sox would give him in the two years? I know the Red Sox last year gave him a one-year with an option. Right. And he obviously opted out of it. So that tells me he wants a multi-year deal. But at his age, I don't know if you really want to 
look, he had a great year last year. And by all accounts, he was great in the clubhouse too. He took to Boston and, and he did everything they could have asked for. Uh, I just, I think they want to keep the DH spot open. And I, I'm not sure if they see him being, I, I think the perfect, the perfect signing for them would be kind of a combination of all the DHs that are out there. They're looking for that perfect signing, a guy that can play a, a little bit of the outfield and be a right-handed DH. Mm. Well, you got the right-handers in J.D. Martinez and Justin Turner that have done it there in Boston, but J.D. doesn't offer any defensive value. And Justin Turner mainly would play a position that you want Devers to play as much as he can and get better defensively at third. So. It's the what they're waiting for, the Red Sox, I don't think is going to show itself unless they're doing a trade. Right. So I think maybe bring back Adam Duval on a very cheap contract because he can play all three outfield spots. But I would bring back Turner in a heartbeat. I would bring back J.D. Martinez. Um, I know Solaire wanted like a two- or three-year deal, and then – we see what Reese Hoskins got based off of being out for the year. He still got what two years, thirty-four million from yeah. Milwaukee. Yeah, that was a decent deal. Yeah, and it's an opt-out after one year, so he's basically betting on himself. And if he puts up anything near his career numbers, like what he used to do, he's going to opt out and get a big contract after that. So, hmm. uh, the short answer is the Red Sox are, I think exploring trades before they commit to a 38 year old on a multi-year deal yeah i i agree or disagree I, you know i'm kind of in between on that because there's still pretty good options out there i get the age but turn has been pretty consistent yeah. uh solaire um maybe they, they worry about solaire's glove it's not great in the outfield i mean other than that the guy's been pretty consistent right his whole career yeah, I, I think the the big thing with the Red Sox right now is, and it's the same thing with their pitching. I think if you take out a couple of players on their roster, and we'll go through our rosters once we break down the Yankees too in a second, but I think the problem is not just pitching with the Red Sox. It's their whole roster. It's really middle heavy, if that makes sense. It's kind of like middle middle of, the ro of their rotation and kind of are really solid, but there's no great ace, just like in their lineup. You got, you have Devers and Cassis. And then after that, you're asking a lot of guys that either are coming off injury or having down years or haven't proven it. And there's just not a lot of star power right now. And there's, there's a lot of guys out there in the outfield in the mix for playing time. I think there's, you can make a case there's up to seven guys that if they have a good spring training could be a starting outfielder for the Red Sox this year. Hmm. At least five right now. So I, I would, I would start trading. I would start moving a couple of these, not fringe players, but a couple of these guys that, you know, do you think Willier Abreu is going to turn into, you know, he had a, what hundred at bats with the Red Sox this this past year and he batted over 300 he did everything you could ask for but is he you know and to bring it back to yankee stuff is he going to turn into 
is it like a Clint Frazier and a Miguel Andujar, or is it, you know, or does he turn into uh, a, you know, a star player? And, and I think, I think guys like that, you know, Jared Duran, I like him, but if you can move him for controllable pitching, I think you do it. You bring back somebody like Turner or JD. Right. Now, let me explain. Like, is the Boston thing a financial thing? Because they're at what? Yes. 80? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That that's that's the blunt truth. It, yes, it's totally financial. It's they, they um under the two oh what two oh five. They're they're at right around two hundred right now okay. because they basically paid sale to go somewhere else. Mm. So they're paying like 10 million of that contract. So I think they're around 200. And I know that they they want to stay under last year's figure. And last year's figure was in the 220s. So they still have, you know, maybe 10 or 15 million to, to spare. But if you figure you need maybe one more bullpen arm, one more starter, maybe another bat right there. I don't know how you're going to get all three for 15 million. Right. So uh, the, the short answer again, you, uh, I, it's financial. <laughs> it's financial. It's yeah. Right. It's financial. And it's, uh, it sucks to say because right. you're uh, Boston's a big market. They should yeah, be concerned about look Boston. <laughs> you can't, you can't be charging the prices you're charging. I, and I know every stadium prices keep going up and, They've got fans basically cornered because where else are you going to go if you're a fan? You're going to support your team. But you're charging, especially at Fenway, when there's only 30-something thousand tickets, you're charging an arm and a leg for a product that is, right now, It's it's been crappy the last couple of years. It's been consistently inconsistent. And in this great division, Right now, I'll say it again, Red Sox right now are destined for a last place finish if this is the team they put out there. Yeah, and and to me, it doesn't make sense to stay under because the last three years, look what you've put out there. And it's not like they're staying under and going quote-unquote cheap. You're going, you're staying under and you're still spending $200 million. Right. That's not nothing. No. <laughs> so it's either, I and Red Sox fans don't want to hear this, and I've I don't want them to do this, but it's either tear it down and do what the Orioles did. Right. Which, if you're gonna, you can make the argument. If you're gonna finish in last, let's get Jackson Holiday, let's get Adley Rushman, let's do it up. But are the fans prepared for that? No. So, in that case, what's two hundred? What's the difference? What's another twenty million? It's not my money, but just you know, just <laughs> go out and get Justin Turner, and and trade for a pitcher. And and then then you can start making the argument that they could maybe be in if everything breaks right for the wild card. But I think they're kicking the can down the road. I think they look at this division and and most importantly, I think they're I think they're being they're as dishonest as they are with the fans about the financial stuff. The ownership is being at least somewhat honest about their self-analysis of this roster. Because if you're not biased and you just look at this roster on paper, it's not a championship roster. It's not a playoff roster. It's 
everything breaks right, we'll win 80 games. Maybe if we get insanely hot and we add a piece or two at the deadline, we fight for a really cheap wild card. Right? I mean, yeah, I, I think like, like who's taking who's taking the ball? We say it all the time. Garrett Cole. Ace, the ace of aces right now. Kevin right. Gossman. Yeah, you, you know what the Rays do. The Orioles are just getting younger every year. Who who is who's taking that ball in that first game? Who's the opening day starter? Brian Bale? Right. Good, yeah. but I, I get it. I, I get that side, right? You don't have an ace. And you're probably not gonna be able to pick up an ace right yeah. this year with a trade. Yeah, you could, you know what, you could trade for Cease, but number one. You're gonna have to give up, a you know, two or three top prospects. That's number one. Yep. Number two, what cease are you getting? Right. That that's your other question. There's no guarantee he comes in and becomes your ace. Yeah. Right. So most likely he will. But I, I that's why I I kind of look at this team and I say, all right, if they added maybe another pitcher, like let's say if they signed Montgomery, let's just throw him out there. If they got Montgomery and Justin Turner. Yeah. Then that's that all of a sudden. See, I, I don't know what to. And when we do our preview of the season, which is crazy to think about, it's coming up soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to think of the Blue Jays and the Rays. Right. I kind of put the Orioles up top until proven otherwise. I put the Yankees right up there because Soto is a game changer. Right. And then I kind of have the Jays and the Rays as my question marks. And right now, the Red Sox kind of at the bottom, but yeah. I don't know what Jay's team and what Ray's team were getting this year. No. That's like it wouldn't surprise me if they each they each won 90 games. But it also wouldn't shock me if they took a step back. So but that's more of a reason for Boston to be a little more aggressive yeah. at this point because you know that third third place to me is up for grabs. And even second place, you know, you're saying Baltimore. We don't know how Baltimore is going to be this year, right? Sure. They could take the step up. They could kind of level out. They could also take the step back. That's you know, they're still a young team. Yeah, we're assuming all these guys are going to be stars that that they're going to that they've brought up. Right, and who's to say those weren't their career years? Right. So I, there's so many questions in this division. And the Yankees, we know with all the, the health issues that this team has, one or two guys goes down, you know it's probably not going to go well for them. So that's why if I'm Boston, I mean, if you sign two guys, you kind of put yourself in that conversation with the top three. Yeah, guys. it's not like I'm asking an $80 million payroll to jump up to 200 no, You don't need I'm it. asking 200 to go to like and, – and I see the mock trades. I really like the idea of moving Kenley Jansen's – contract if that means you're gonna sign another pitcher to start right if you trade kenley jansen for a prospect and you get that 16 million off the books then all of a sudden if you can sign montgomery right and bring in a uh, one more hitter and but yeah look it's but speaking of the division uh i don't know it <laughs> You're selling me on it already, but <laughs> but what do you think the Yankees need to do that they haven't done since basically since they've gotten Soto? 
Uh, I think for me, I know everybody's like, oh, you got to add another starter, add another starting pitcher. Right now, the rotation is Cole, Rodon, Stroman, Cortez, Schmidt. That's really not a bad starting five. But no. there's a big if, right? Rodon. If Rodon gets back to what he was before he got here, yeah, that's a really good number two. And then you and then you slot in Stroman as your three, Cortez as your four, and then Schmidt as your five. That's a pretty good rotation. So to me, Rodon is the big kind of wild card here. He's the X factor, whatever you want to call him. Um, for me, I, I look at two spots that are kind of up for grabs, if you want to say it. I think third base. I know they got DJ penciled in. But if there's a spot where you could say, okay, we could get better, it's at third base because we just don't know what DJ is going to be this year. It's nice to think, oh, yeah, he'll bounce back. He'll be fine. Oh, he's healthy. He's all this. Yeah, he'll be great. But, you know, the guy's going to be 36 this year. And he's coming off a season where he started off bad. He he ended pretty good. You know, kind of. What did he finish up as? Like 240, 250? Yeah, 243 he batted last year. Yeah. Not much, you know, 15 home runs, 44 RBIs, you know, OPS 718, slugging 390. That's really not great. So not that I want them to sign Chapman, but Chapman is out there. Chapman will upgrade you defensively, obviously, right off the bat. And offensively, he's better than that. Or just as just as good as that. Um, but I don't think they're gonna go that route. And Peraza, I Peraza might start in triple A at this point. If he's not gonna get regular regular at bats, why keep him on the bench? You know, if you're not gonna start him every game. So they might start him down in triple A and try to get another, you know, uh infield guy that could back up everybody, you know, like a veteran type guy, but the other spot I would want them to improve is is relief in, you know, the bullpen because, yeah, we got Clay Holmes. Okay. But after that, what if he goes down? Who's closing games for us? You know, is Loisaga? That guy can't stay healthy. Canley was not great last year. Efres is coming back from Tommy John, so who knows what he's going to be like. I mean – yeah, they picked up the the guy from the Dodgers in the trade, uh, Victor Martinez. Good lefty. I don't know if he's going to close, but so for me, the the bullpen is where, and I'm surprised with the guys that were coming off. Neris seemed like a pretty decent deal, only nine million. Would yeah, that surprised me that he didn't get two years. He got didn't it, it was an option, right? An option year. There was an option. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but still, that was a that was a deal. I thought the Yankees could have made. I don't know why they didn't try to sign. I mean, they were probably trying to sign him, but at their price, whatever it was. Um, so for me, if there's an upgrade possibility, for me, it's it's in the bullpen because Clay Holmes has been good. You know, he's had a couple of, you know, he, he gets into a slump here and there, but listen, nobody's Rivera, so nobody's going to be perfect. That's why, I getting back to it, um, when um, Hayter signed, I thought that would have been great for us too because Clay Holmes is going to be a free agent after this year. So you're going to have to sign him at some point, whether it's during, probably not during the season, but he's a free agent. So whether you sign him past this year or you sign someone else, you're going to have to sign someone to close, right? So if you added Hader this year and kind of put him and Holmes at the back end of your at, at the back end of the bullpen. That's a pretty good back end of the bullpen. And you got your backup 
closer because you got two of them now. And that's a great one-year run with those two guys at least. And then if you can sign Holmes long-term, that's great. But if not, you still got arguably the best closer in baseball or one of the best in Josh Hader. So I I, I was kind of disappointed when they didn't sign him because he's also – he signed with Houston for less than 20 a season. So, yeah, just under – what do you get, like 18 a year or something? <laughs> yeah, I think it was five for 97. Oh, yeah, fuck, yeah. Right. That's right, 97 or 97 and a half. Yeah, so... 90, I, 20 a year, yeah. I mean, they're going to have to sign Holmes after this year, and what do you think, if he has a good year, which we, you know, we're crossing our fingers, we hope he does, what if he does? What do you think he's going to ask for next year? How old is Clay Holmes? He's, uh, is he like 30? Yeah, this is his big contract, so... He'll be 31 in March. Okay. So, yeah. He'll, so he'll be 32... As of the year that he signs, let's say three years he'll want. Yeah, he'll want three years, at least twenty a year. He'll want that three years, sixty million. Right. So I, to me, it made sense to sign him. So though, to me, those two positions, because everywhere else, catcher Wells and Trevino should be the catching. First base, you got Rizzo. Second base, Torres. Volpe at short. Outfield, we know what the outfield is, right? Judge Soto. Um, Verdugo and Trent Grisham. My question is then, if you're when you go around the diamond and you look at it that way, it's the obvious question becomes not who is on the bench, but what happens to these players that are blocked? Like you were talking about Peraza, yeah, um, Cabrera. Uh, just go down the list of younger Yankees that are not quite proven it on the major league level, but I don't, I think you could argue maybe don't deserve to be in triple a, like what right. happens to all of them? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, they're there right now. I would say uh, more for in case someone gets hurt, right? Cause you don't want them to be on the bench, not playing every game. So I would think they're going to be ready in triple a in case one of these guys get hurt or, or in a trade, you know, at some point in the season, you know, come May, June, July, you know, the needs will come up. Okay, yeah, we need a starter, we need a third baseman, whatever. Then they'll probably use one or two of them or whoever to make the move. But here's the other thing, too. I don't know if, if you know, the fans have really made a big deal about this, but you got guys that are on the last year of their deals, like four, five guys, right? You got Juan Soto. And you got Verdugo in the outfield. You also got Gleyber Torres. Uh, and Rizzo is also in the last year of his deal. He's got oh, a, that's right. I think he has a club option. So all these guys are basically playing for their, their contracts. Right? So that's a good thing for us, I think. Because normally the last year before you you know become a free agent, yeah, you want to have your best season. So I think that's a great um, advantage for the Yankees right now because you've got guys playing for contracts now. Soto obviously is going to get, we know, half a billion bucks. We know the big numbers he's going to get. But think about if Verdugo has a career season or Glaber Torres has a, a career season. I mean, think about the money that they're going to cash in next offseason because yeah. they're both relatively young. You know, they're not 30 yet. So, yeah, Torres is, if he, if all things go well, he's going to get paid big time. Yeah. 
I think even Verdugo, if he has a good, a really good season, yeah, you know, maybe a little better than his average season, maybe you know like fifteen to eighteen home runs now, and yeah, if he hits fifteen home runs, he's got he's going to hit for he's going to have a bunch of doubles, right? He's going to play a good defensive outfield. It's just yeah, it's if he does what he's supposed to, if he keeps his head right, he's going to make a good amount of money. Yeah, I mean he'll be twenty. He'll be twenty eight this year. So, you know what? That's perfect for a, you know a team would come in and offer him seven, eight years, maybe five, at least five years. So let's go five years. If he has a big year, you know you're talking twenty. This guy's going to cash in like a hundred million dollar contract. So that's what he's looking at. And like I said, Soto is Soto, but these guys are going to put up big numbers if you know if everything rolls right. So that also opens up. Do you trade? Listen. We've been hearing the last two years about Torres. I, I, you know, we bring it up a lot. Like, what are they going to do with him? Because we haven't heard anything about him. They haven't heard. You haven't heard. Oh, he's great. We're gonna, you know, we'll talk to him after the, at the end of the season. Or, and we know the last two years they've tried to move him. So I wonder at some point, are they going to move him? You know, hmm. maybe during the season, and then if, like, if Peraza goes down to AAA and and starts off great and has a great April, great May. I see you guys moving him for pitching. Yeah. And you bring Peraza up, he'll be your second baseman, you know? So this team, if they go in into spring training with basically this team, maybe add a, uh, another arm or two, and I'm sure they're going to bring in some um, minor league free agents, all that. So I guess that, but maybe one or two more main bullpen options, at least one. This is a pretty good roster. I'm not going to say it's great, and it's not perfect, obviously. Nobody has a perfect roster. Not even the Braves, not even the Dodgers. That's why I hate when the, you know, it even comes up with you guys too. Like, oh, we got so many question marks in the rotation. Or the Yankees, yeah, they got so many question marks. Look at the Dodgers rotation, right? Or look at the Braves rotation. The Braves have sale. You know what sale, (laughs) you know sale for the stand, obviously. That's a, you can, you can put that in pen, the question mark. Right. You got Max Free uh Freed coming back from from injuries. The Dodgers, their whole rotation is a question mark. Yeah, I think the Dodgers, we were talking about it off the air. I think the Dodgers are gonna have at least I think they're gonna do what they did last year, but just with bigger names this year, if that makes any sense. Like I think they're gonna have a bunch of people pitch a hundred innings. Right. Uh, I think it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to go to a six-man rotation. I think a perfect situation for them is they get back Kershaw in the middle of the year, Glass now, between them and bumping up some of the uh, rookies from last year, bumping up their innings. I think there's going to be a lot of – no one's going to pitch over like 150. Yeah, I don't think so. But for the Yankees, I think your rotation – one through five right now has got to be as good as uh, it's got to be it's got to be top five in the league yeah maybe top 10 i'll I'll go top 10 yeah i was thinking the american league top oh, five okay. in all of baseball probably top 10 i would think yeah it, it, big ifs obviously there, there's know. definitely ifs and i think it goes back to rodan if rodan is if rodan is don't even look at it long term. I think just this year, if he just makes all his starts and he's league average, 
I think you have a really good rotation because you could switch out. You can make an argument that Strowman is the number two and Rodon can be the three. I know you're paying Rodon to be the two, but right. I think it starts with health. And then after that, you, you definitely – Cortez at, at a four starter is intriguing because, again, it's a big if, but if he's healthy and back to his old self, he's not a number four. He's much better than that. So, but if he's a four, that's fine. You know, yeah. you don't need him to be a one or a two. No, it's great. You know, and that that's that's the the beauty of, or the wild card of Rodon of, of what he could be. Yeah, you know, because he could be that number two. If he's that number two behind Cole, that's everything else. Just kind of it's gravy, right? Whatever Strowman is. Strowman's right there. If, if he's healthy, I mean, look what he did last year, the first half. He was an all-star. I think he went nine and four his first half. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's all big ifs. But, again, there's question marks in every rotation in the league, everyone, whether it's the best team, the Dodgers, the Braves, or teams like the Yankees, or even, you know, you guys. You guys got, you know, maybe not an ace, but you guys got everything else kind of there, but you don't have the ace. And that's – it is yeah, it, I just – You know too well. It, <laughs> Yeah, if I if I'm the GM for a day, um, well, if I'm the GM for a day, get get your bags packed because there's going to be a lot of trades. But right. But if I was GM, I would right away. I would figure out. I think day one in spring training, they have to get Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Howe and sit them down and say, "This is your role on the team. You got to figure that out before you start penciling people in as what number starter and." You can't keep going back and forth from the bullpen to the starting, back to the bullpen. Just pick a role and go with it. And uh, it's um, I'm looking at the contracts right now, and right now on the 40 man roster, the, the money is very it's not balanced at all. And I know with the Yankees, it's probably not either with, between Judge and Cole, yeah, getting a <laughs> huge amount of money. But I'm looking at it, guys like Rob Ref Snyder's the 10th highest paid Red Sox this year. Wow. <laughs> so that just puts into perspective what you're looking at. Right. In the top 10. But and there's only eight guys. You were talking about guys that are going into contract years. Red Sox only have eight guys that are uh under the classification as a veteran that are done with their arbitration. So eight guys on the 40 man roster. Everybody else. Is arbitration eligible? Hmm. That's it's a, uh, it's insane. Great. Yeah, that's yeah. a great thing to have. But um, yeah, they're either arbitration eligible or they're pre-arbitration. But yeah, it's um, it, it's time for both our teams to, if they if they haven't already, hopefully they are now. Uh, making calls, kind of checking the waiver wire and all that stuff. I know you guys just picked up a, a lefty from Houston. Uh, I yeah, think Gage. in the last hour, Matt Gage. Yeah. He's a lefty. He actually has pretty decent st- – I mean, he's older. And he's only he's only pitched like a handful of innings in the big leagues. But, look, a lefty reliever is like a seven-footer in basketball. He's going to get another chance. Right. And uh, But, uh, I mean, I really think that if – Looking at it, not as a fan, if the Yankees, if Rodon 
is back to Rodon's self and Clay Holmes is anything like he, he's capable of. I think you guys have more than enough pitching right now. Yeah, I think so. I think just add depth to the bullpen. Yeah, I think they will. Um, other than that, and listen, we could still see like like you're saying, you know, possible trades with the Red Sox. I could still see moves with the Yankees. <laughs> you know, they're at that point where they have the the depth in in the minor leagues that they could make a move. Now, what's your payroll look like right now? Oh, it's like three hundred million, I think. Oh wow. Yeah, it's up there. <laughs> so at this point, it's like whatever you spend, you spend, right? Because you passed over. Yeah, whatever you spend, you're spending that plus right, like fifty percent. So right, yeah, and... yeah. But so yeah, now... if you can get, if you can, if you're convinced that one of these young infielders can hold their own at second base, you can move towards a salary for a controllable pitcher, or at least a. Uh, a pitcher with like a year or two of control, I would think. Yeah. But nah, it, that's going to be interesting to me looking at it from afar. What Tor, how Torres responds to not being on the hot seat, but knowing that he's going to be coming up in trade rumors even more this year. Yeah. To me, Torres, even though there are different stages in their contracts, to me, Torres and Trevor Story are kind of similar in that. Look, Torres has done everything that the Yankees have asked of them. A couple of boneheaded plays here and there, but as far as stats go, he's put up the stats, and he's basically playing to see if he can become, you know, not a lifetime, not a lifelong Yankee, but, you know, get that five-year contract from the Yankees. Yeah. And on our side, on my side, Trevor Story has done nothing since he's been at Boston. <laughs> So he's done the exact opposite of what Torres has done, and he has the financial security. And it's like, I just want to see him come into camp and be healthy and be that middle-of-the-lineup guy because if he's not, then everything else kind of falls by the side because there's not many right-handed hitters in this lineup to begin with. It's, it's, it's story, and then... Without Justin Turner, I'm looking at Vaughn Grissom, nice, good player, very young. Tyler O'Neill, intriguing, but I don't, yeah. <laughs> Right-handed power is, there's not much for the Red Sox, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and there's still moves out there. That's that's the thing, and there's still the free agents, um, the top free yeah, agents. Yeah, you, you mentioned Chapman. Um, we keep on talking about Montgomery. Where where do you think uh, we'll go with those two? Where do you think Montgomery ends up? Do you think he goes back to Texas, or is there, you know, TV and CB and their you know their threshold, the tax threshold, uh, too much? It might be because their their payroll. You know, we were talking about it before we jumped on. I mean, their payroll's over two hundred twenty five million right now, right? So, will they add another? you know, whatever he's going to be over $20 million a season. I don't know if they will now, but here's the thing. If he doesn't go there, where does Montgomery land? If it's not Texas, is it Boston? Is it uh, the Cubs maybe? Cause the Cubs have been quiet. Cubs have been quiet. Um, <laughs> does he, does he, I'm, it's not that he has stuff, stuff to prove anymore, but does he take like a one year 
deal from a contender, from like a surefire contender, knowing that if he stays healthy, he can make it back? I don't know. He might have to at this point. All these guys might have to, surprisingly, because nobody wants to touch these guys, right? Like him and go to uh, Blake Snell real quick. Snell, the only offer he got was from the Yankees. Five for what, 160? That's the only offer he got. I mean, he hasn't gotten any other formal offers. Nothing. Wow. And um, Montgomery, I don't think got any. You know what? If I'm Boston, as much as we're saying that, that he's he's always inconsistent and he's had those two great years and then nothing after that. If I'm Boston, you just I, I would sneakily come in and say, you know what? We'll we'll give you five years, 163 million. Say no to it. Right. At least like, look around. You have like I hate to use this analogy, but it's it's last call at the bar and there's no one else around. <laughs> right. And, you know, and if all he, the single people are coupled up. It's like, all right, do you want to sign a one year deal? Uh, if you don't want to go through this again, you know, it's not like we're giving you pennies. Take the hundred and sixty something million. That's why I'm surprised he wouldn't take the one sixty from the Yankees. Right. And and think about it. He goes to the Yankees. He's not the ace, right? It's Garrett Cole. You go to Boston, yeah. you're basically the ace. Yeah. I would think that means something to him, no? Yeah. I mean, if if that's the reason why he didn't go to the Yankees, that makes sense. He wants to be the guy, okay? But I, I guess that what comes along with that is he wants to be paid like the guy. Right. But what you're offering, so, thirty million a season. That's you yeah, know that's 30, 32 million a year is nothing to sneeze at. So, um, <laughs> um, maybe that would be enough. I just wonder how much Montgomery gets, and I think you're right. At least one or two of these big name free agents left are going to have to take that one year contract. I think so, or a lot less than what they're you know they're always that they've been looking for because right now they're not getting the, the money. Nowhere near the Where does Matt Chapman go? I would think either uh, maybe Toronto or what about I, – I? we keep saying this team, but the Cubs. The Cubs keep coming to me because they've not done anything, and that's another team that said that they were going to be big spenders this offseason. And to right now, I mean, they lost – they lost uh, – Stroman and Bellinger. Right. Oh no! Did they sign? Oh no! They didn't sign Candel. Uh, they had Candelario, but they he went to yeah. Candelario went to the Reds. Right. So who do they have at third? Oh, Ma- Ma- Madrigal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they got Patrick Wisdom. I'm not sure how good he is defensively, though. Right. He, he always struck me as a first base DH type. So that might be a spot for him, you know. Yeah, and I mean. Other free agents that have gotten, I mean, this is a step down free agent list, but Whit Merrifield. Right. He's still out there. Um, I'm trying to think. He could almost, Other, he's a guy you could put almost anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's a good use. I, I mean, I'll, I'll say this right now. I, I wouldn't mind him on the Yankees because if we look at our utility guy, super utility guy, quote unquote, that's Cabrera. And yeah, he's great switch hitter. He could play anywhere. But 
you know, he's been very inconsistent with the bat. So Merrifield, you know, is a solid, you know, just a professional hitter. You know what you're getting out of him. So maybe he would be a good utility guy off the bench, kind of picking up for where IKF left. Yeah, and IKF got what, like two for 15 from Toronto? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if I'd spend that much on a, yeah, no, but... maybe a one year, you know, just to, just that's just a thought. I don't want to say that's, but, um, you know, it's, it's weird because a lot of these guys you would think would have been signed by now. Yeah. I mean, Carrasco, I thought he would have got a spot somewhere, but he had to sign a minor league deal with the Indians. Uh, with yeah, the, and then the we were saying the Royals signed Adam Frazier, $4.5 million uh, with a buyout and then an option for next year for more money. So that's another guy, not crazy money. Um, I mean, there's some big names still on the free agent market, you know? Yeah. The guys we Tim met. Anderson, Ahmed Rosario still. Uh, Rosario is another guy, another good utility guy to have. Someone's going to get, and I know his he fell off a cliff statistically, but someone's going to get Tim Anderson at like the veterans league minimum. Right, for cheap. and On a prove-it deal, and if he proves it, you're going to be rewarded for it. So, And, and the team would be smart to pick him up because you know he wants to prove something, and he would love to cash in next year because he's not how old is he he's like 30 now yeah i would think so i don't think he's that old maybe he is but um, 30 yeah he's 30 right now and the rangers did sign david robert robertson a couple days ago but yeah there's you know after snow and montgomery <laughs> it gets um it gets kind of thin, but there there's still innings eaters out there. Yeah. Mike Clevenger, Michael Lorenzen, Hyunjin Ryu. Um the guy that I would be interested in taking a flyer on, and I know it's injury related. He's not expected back until late in this season, is Brandon Woodruff. Right. If you can get him on a two-year contract, almost like what the Red Sox did with James Paxton two years ago. If you can get him on a two-year, like you're basically paying for next year and this year just to rehab and maybe make a couple starts in September. I don't even know what that would cost, but right. in the last, what, six years, he's pitched to a 2.9 ERA. So. Yeah, and he's 30. Uh, he'll be 31 next month so you're paying for his basically his 32 age season age 32 yeah. season, you should say yeah i mean last year he was five and one before he got hurt <laughs> yeah for a guy that has as good stuff as he has he only has 46 career wins right it's it's, it's incredible it goes back to your point before about career numbers that some of these numbers are not getting yeah matched at all but yeah, but, I mean, that's a guy you could take a flyer on and say, okay, you know, maybe September you'll get him back for the September stretch and maybe he could throw you, you know, a couple of innings out of the bullpen and stuff like that. But mainly for 2025, you know what? I, I would – the Yankees are a team that could that could afford to take a chance on him. 
right? And there's um, still, it, and you were bringing up uh, Matt Chapman, but there's still other third basemen out there. Gio Urshela, Justin right. Turner, uh, some other names. I'm not sure if you want to go down that. See, the problem with the free agent class is the people that are holding out right now for the big money after those names come off the board, or if you're not willing to give the big money, right. <laughs> then you get down to Josh Donaldson. Right. <laughs> Eduardo Escobar. We've Mike been down that Right. <laughs> so there are some intriguing names out there, but there are also. Uh, and also too, what, what could be holding up Chapman and Bellinger and um, Snell is the qualifying offer, right? Yeah, that's true. The, that's, the qualifying offer is attached to them. So you'd have to give up a compensatory pick. Yeah, which is your top um, pick, right? So yeah, I think it depends on it was either where the team that signed him is financially. I think it's a sliding scale. Oh, so okay. like I, I think if a team like the A's were to sign him, they would have to give up a lesser draft pick, but it wouldn't be Right. It, it would be somewhere around between like after it's definitely not a first round pick, but it's like a second to a fourth or something like that. I, I wonder, I know they, they probably can't do this because this would be, I don't know, maybe they can behind closed doors. What if the A's said, okay, talk to, let's say the Yankees, right? They call the Yankees. Say, All right. If we sign Chapman, we'll sign him to a contract that you want to sign him for whatever it is. We'll offer it to him. And if he does sign, We'll lose the draft pick, but then we'll trade you Chapman. Ooh, that's sneaky. Right? I don't know. <laughs> For somebody who the Yankees want to give up, you know, kind of instead of losing the draft pick. I don't yeah. know. I, I'm just thinking out loud, but I wonder if they could do something like that. I, it's obviously probably not legal, but. Eh. Legal schmiegel. And you'd also you'd also have to bring in the agent and say, okay, uh, Chapman, we're signing you, but we're, we're going to trade you to the Yankees. You know, We're going to sign you, but take a deep really breath. <laughs> You're being traded right away. Right. But I wonder if that's how you get around giving up your draft pick. I mean, you still got to trade something for him, obviously. I was um, thinking, other than the qualifying offer, the other thing could be, is there is there any physical like limit with any of these guys as far as injury history or Oh yeah, um, I don't think so, right? All those guys were pretty much healthy last year. Obviously, yeah. one of Cy Young, Chapman. I think he's been pretty durable for most of his yeah. career. But uh, I don't think so. I could see you not wanting to give out like a seven-year contract to Bellinger because he's just wildly inconsistent. Yeah, you know, same but, thing with Snell. And Ch let's be honest, Chapman. Yeah. Right. Offensively, I mean, what are you getting? Last yeah, year, you're basically 40. getting 250 and maybe 20 home runs. Right. But you're getting gold glove third base, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. It's 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 definitely curious, but definitely the quality offer, I think, has something to do with these guys not signing, you know. But I think you're right. I think there's gonna be still a couple of trades to be made here. Yeah. Definitely. I, I agree for sure. And um, other than that, there was also, 
I know Jock Peterson, I really like this move, went to Arizona on a, what was it, a one-year deal with like an option, I think. A couple days ago it happened. Uh, I like that move for Diamondbacks for a variety of reasons. Good veteran presence in the clubhouse. Uh, Give you flexibility and play a couple different corner outfield spots. I just, I like the move, so. Listen, the D-backs got a really good team. Good. Yeah. I know they just got off from, you know, getting the World Series, but when you look at this team, it's really, I mean, solid, top to bottom, pitching. Their lineup is really strong now. Um, I, I mean, this is a the team. guy that gets overlooked a lot, in my opinion, is Christian Walker. Yeah. Yep. I, I know at first base, it's kind of, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle in first base, but. Um. Yeah, he's just a really good, consistent player, and I know he had that one error in the World Series. I hope he bounces back from it because what he meant to that team on that run. Um, I'm pretty confident he'll bounce back from that and have another great year. And remember, they traded for Suarez, the third baseman. Yeah, and they signed uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Yep, good veteran, middle of the rotation guy. Yeah, and that that that. That rotation, you got Gallon, Kelly, Rodriguez as your top three. That's pretty solid. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a team. Listen, we obviously the Dodgers, right? Probably the best roster in baseball, but D-backs are right there, man. Uh, it's not going to be, uh, you know, D, the Dodgers by 20 games. This is going to be a really good race for the top two. And basically it's going to be who's going to finish third? Is it San Fran or the Padres? Right. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying we might have to wait on that. Oh boy. Because oh boy. I yeah, I don't I don't know. <laughs> uh, see the NL West is where I like to go. That's just where it goes off the rails. Right. With my predictions. But it's uh I don't know if that I'm not sure if I agree with that, but I the West there's a couple of teams in there that are I wonder what the Padres are going to do without Soto. If that, I'm not saying Soto was the problem, but I wonder if that clubhouse kind of is its addition by subtraction. Right. Because something right. wasn't working last year. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see Fernando Tatis Jr. kind of take a step, even another step in the right, right. direction. Maybe a little more power, but his move to right field has been. And also become the leader of that team. Yeah. You know, he signed there for what, 10 years or whatever, how many years? Yeah. There, you're, you're the guy. Act like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Be that guy. I'm not saying he's immature, but I'm saying be that guy. Be the captain. Right. You know? Because they do have a decent team, regardless of losing these, you know, losing <laughs> Soto, but, uh, you know, the, the guy, solid. You know what? There's one signing I would like the Red Sox to make. And it's a one-year deal. Hopefully, it's not too expensive. Bring in Gary Sanchez, backup catcher. Yeah. I'm just picturing a a bunch of cheap home runs in Fenway over the monster. And he doesn't have to actually be the starter, right? No. He would, yeah, no, he would be backup catcher, DH. I would like if he could play a little first base, but right-handed power. I think 
think he had 17 home runs last year and he he was a little better defensively than what he was but that's just part of his game he's right. never going to be a gold glover so there's still like we said there's still some intriguing names out there but it's um someone's going to have to blink it's either ownership is going to have to cave in and start giving out some big contracts or these players are going to have to start having their honest conversation with their agents hmm. and say, maybe this ain't the year. Right. So we'll see who blinks first. It's usually the players. Yeah. <laughs> we also have, uh, I've, I forgot to mention, obviously, the Hall of Fame news, which is uh, about a week and a half from uh, old, so little time to digest it and and you know, welcome in the new class. Obviously, first ballot was uh, Adrian Beltre with what, like 95%? Yeah, something like that. And uh, Joe Maurer was, I think, 82%? Something. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. then on the sixth or seventh ballot was Todd Helton. I think he had 79%. Yep. Um. Billy Wagner, I think, was four votes away. Yeah, he was. And Gary Sheffield was really close, too. And that was his last year, Sheffield. Yeah. And Wagner. So, you know, first off, those three guys, what are your impressions on the class? Um, I, I Listen, they, they those top three definitely deserved it. Um, Beltre, obviously, one of the best third basemen of all time, definitely deserved it. Um, Helton, definitely. I know, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, he played in Colorado all those years. and But still, I mean, the guy just put up mega numbers, even on the road. Um, yeah, I saw on the road, I think he was a 289 hitter. Right. That's um, that's pretty good. And Maurer, of course. Like, I, I, my argument for Maurer, because I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's not that good. But his nine years or whatever it was that he caught, they were Hall of Fame years as a catcher. Obviously, when he went to first base, yeah, he became an average first baseman. You know, he had the concussions and all that. Didn't have the big power numbers. But as a catcher, I mean, if you remember watching him, for me, like when I watched him, I thought when he was the catcher and at the top of his game, I thought he was not only the best catcher in the game, but one of the best players overall in baseball. That's how I looked yeah. at power. So, yeah, you know, three, um, three batting crowns. You know, you, you got to – Definitely got to put him in. Wagner. To me, the only thing with Maurer is, and I know it's splitting hairs, but yeah, first ballot, I'm not so sure just because of the longevity. To me, first ballot guys, and I know we keep saying it with the numbers that they're going to be different in this generation. Yeah. But for me, first ballot guys are either, you know, 500 home runs or 3,000 hit, you know, those crazy numbers, or a guy that was – right on the cusp of those and had like a 20 year run. Yeah, uh, to I'm me, like... I don't know if, and I hate to play the what if type of thing, but if he gets in, then what about, what about guys like uh, Jorge Posada? Listen, I, yeah. <laughs> Catching wise. And this is, this is a Red Sox fan saying Jorge Posada needs to get some look. Yeah. Oh, I but, agree. I'm, I'm with you. Him, you know, go back to Munson too. I mean, those yeah. guys should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, 
They're just not. I, I don't know why Posada, you know, got didn't get the five percent. I mean, he he got jumped. He got bumped off quick. I don't know why, but he's a guy I think down the road. But then again, I thought it would be Munson too that would get in with the veterans committee eventually. But I guess not. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I maybe not first ballot, but he definitely should have been in. Um, Wagner next year, I think he gets in. He only needs five more. He's in the final year of his, you know, eligibility. So I, I think he'll, I think he squeaks in next year. Sheffield, the only reason why you vote against him, the only reason why, is that he's connected somehow with the PEDs because he worked out with Bonds' trainer. Yeah. Right. But he, he admitted under oath, he, he spoke under oath saying that he never, um, admittedly took it. The, well, remember Palmero also did that too. Yeah. So, <laughs> Famously with the finger wag. Yes. So it gets uh, cloudy, murky, whatever you want to call it. So it's one of those things where if you're on the fence about it and you, you, for some reason or another, you're not sure. I don't know why you wouldn't be sure about Sheffield. Right. But if you don't, if you're leaning towards you don't want to and you need a reason, this is it. Yeah. And that's the only reason, you yeah. know. And the other guys, just two guys I'll, I'll, I'll talk about quick. Andrew Jones has to get in. Yeah. I know the second half of his career, he kind of went downhill. But that first half, best defensive center fielder I've seen. Um, for Andrew Jones, real quick, I would put it this way. I, I, and I'm not taking credit for this. I saw someone else post this. It's similar to he's a power hitting what Ozzie Smith was to his position. He was that version in center field with power. I know he had a ton of strikeouts. There were a bunch of things at the second half of his career, but he was a great defensive center fielder and he had power. I think he had 10 gold gloves in center field. And 10 gold gloves and what, 400 home runs? Yeah. And, and his yeah. other thing with him, or with just in general with the Hall of Fame, only one center fielder since Willie Mays has got inducted into the Hall of Fame, and that was Ken Griffey. So you're going to tell me in the last 50 years, 60 years, whatever it is, only one center fielder belongs in the Hall of Fame? That's crazy. Yeah, that doesn't make sense at all. To me, I think Andrew Jones, Beltran, he's not getting in right away because of the – Andrew Jones, Beltran, Kenny Lofton. Kenny Lofton should get in. Again, I, I can't believe I'm doing this this episode, but Bernie Williams – how we got knocked out another one while he got knocked off. There's and I think we said it a couple episodes ago when we were looking at the Hall of Fame. There, there they keep track of the votes for a reason because for me, just to stay on the ballot for a couple of years is is a you know a thing of pride for some guys. Yeah. Like just to be able to be in that conversation to slowly bump your numbers up to get that recognition. I think that's there's something to be said for that. And for certain guys not to reach 5% of the vote, uh, I think is a shame. It is. I, and it, it makes no sense. Like a guy like Bernie should have been on for 10 years, you know, and, and discussed every year. And so, you know what, this guy, pretty consistent his whole career, right? He's got the four yeah. championships, you know, played center field for the Yankees, all this, you know, about a 300 hitter, batting title, all-star games. I mean, that's a guy that should have been in or at least on the ballot for 10 years. I mean, and I, I don't know. It just makes – I understand Beltran not getting in right away because he's connected to the Astros thing, and I, I get that. So 
I'm sure he'll get in eventually. I don't think he's going to not get in. I just think this is like their slap on the wrist, you want to say it. All right, you're not going to get in first or second year, but, you know, we're going to make you wait, right? Someone's going to write down, though, these unwritten rules. Yeah, I know. Because it's hard to keep track. I know. And baseball does it all the time. It's like... And if the league just did what they should have did that year... It would have put everything in its place. Right. I think if they took the title away and just vacated it, you know, right. You can't suspend the whole team. So you're not going to say, okay, you know, this play, you know, 10, 15 players are all suspended for half a season. You can't do that. So, you know what, just take what they did back, take the, take the title from them, you know, the championship and that's it. I think that yeah. would have, you know, made a, a lot of people happier <laughs> outside of Houston, but yeah. you know, it is what it is. So looking at next year's real quick before we, Jump to something. I think there's two surefire. I I think that's it. Outside of the guys that are coming back, but the first ballot, Ichiro, CC. Yeah, those guys. I think automatics. After that, and then after that, I think it's got to be Billy Wagner, and I I would be happy with the four person class with those three and Andrew Jones. Yeah, and then maybe Beltran. I don't know how big they want the class to be, or. Right. They might wait. Um, again some guys are some writers are just like, I'm just going to vote for a couple people every year. Some fill up their ballot. And I know there's a second baseman coming on the ballot next year that. Yeah, he's um. <laughs> look, I, I think it, I think Dustin Pedroia is. He's similar like- to a David Wright. If I'm taking my fan cap off, I can yeah. say. Without you know being 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 biased, oh yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. I love the guy, love the way he played. He has the championships. He has, I think, he won the Rookie of the Year, an MVP. Yep, and he has a third one that I'm forgetting. Uh, he's got the Silver Slugger. He's got a four-time gold. Yeah, he's he's got like he's he checks all the boxes except yeah. for the longevity part. Yeah. And that's where the Manny Machado hatred comes in. But his last two years really killed him. The last two years, and not only the last two years, the fact that he lost a couple of years worth of plate appearances. Right. Would have pushed him up over 2,000 hits, well over 2,000 hits, would have kept his average over 300. Um, he, I, to me, he can't be a Hall of Famer. I, I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer. And that pains me to say, but. Yeah, it's just injuries and, you know, some guys just shine really bright for like a 10-year stretch. And in baseball, that's not long enough for most guys to put up the stats they need. And you know what? Me, he, you know, he do it up in Boston and Fenway like they did, you know, retirement ceremony and all that stuff. And that's great. And he's an all-time Red Sox. But I don't think you can put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and, and you know what? Second base, there's so many guys, not so many, but there's a handful of guys that we talk about, yeah. right? The Bobby Gritch, the the um, Jeff Kent. Uh, Lou Whitaker. Right? Those guys we call Hall of Famers, and I would think they were they are higher than um, yeah. Pedroia, right? And for all the Red Sox fans out there, just, just take a deep breath. And yeah, yeah. Worst things have happened to the Red Sox than Dustin Pedroia not making the Hall of Fame. Look, he had a he had an excellent career. He was a great player. He was for a lot of those teams. He was 
one of the leaders and like the heart and soul of some of those teams. I just, I don't think when you look at the stats, you can put him in the Hall of Fame, but great player. But um, do you think he gets, is his number retired in Boston? Yeah, they had the ceremony um, last year. All right. So that wasn't that last year. I think it was against you guys before one of the night games. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. I, I think that. I, and look, you can make a case. We were doing it a couple episodes ago. Dwight Evans, a bunch of guys. And from Eaton, from both our teams that, you know, could be in the Hall of Fame. So, and I hate to say, you know, to me, I'm all about, I, I like there to be a natural progression. I like if there's guys that deserve it from the 70s, I think they should go in before the guys of today's day and age. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm looking at second baseman, like you can make a case for four or five before Pedroia. So, yeah. But he'll, he'll definitely, I think, you know what? In a lot of ways, I think he'll get Chase Utley treatment. If you look at Chase Utley's career and you look at Pedroia's, I'm not sure. Just off the top of my head, I'm thinking statistically they're similar. Uh, they played the game differently, you know, totally different t- styles of game. But statistically, I could see Pedroia getting in the 20 to 30 percent range and staying on the ballot for a while. Yeah, I could see that, too. But, um, yeah, I think it's the year after this next year with CC and Ichiro. The year after, I heard that that's when guys – like Beltran and others will not sneak in, but get in because I guess there's not a, a you know, surefire Hall of Famers a couple of years from now. Yeah, because in 2006, uh, 2026, real quick, the first ballot guys, you got Cole Hamels, Ryan Braun, um, Alex Gordon, Matt Kemp. Nobody here is getting in. No, so... That's where Beltran gets in, yeah. uh, all, all the guys that – so, yeah, it'll be um, – it's always a good debate because it just brings you back to – or at least for me, it brings me back to different eras of my favorite team, different players. and Now being old enough to have like a generation of players, seeing them yeah. from one end of their career to the next to the end is crazy to think. but It is. <laughs> And speaking of the Hall of Fame, on this day in baseball history, um, the first elections to select inductees into the inaugural class of the Baseball Hall of Fame were held in 1936. Uh, Baseball Writers Association of America were given authority to select individuals from the 20th century, while a special veterans committee um, picked from before that. They were they wanted 15 honorees before the 1939 ceremonies, so they wanted 10 from the 20th century. So the first five that were in, can you name them? I have it opened up. Okay. Ty Cobb. Yeah. Babe Ruth, Honus Wagner, and you got Christy Mathewson and Walter Johnson. And to me, there's a couple ways to go in this. And None of them got a hundred percent. That's ridiculous. When you think how Babe Ruth got ninety five point one percent, he's Babe freaking Ruth. 
But you, what do you need to do? Like, right. who are those other people? You know what? It goes back to every year we say this, right? Like, how do you not, like, how do you not vote for Adrian Beltre? I'm not putting him in the Babe Ruth category. You know, right. No, I, I understand. But Babe Ruth is like, if I was one of the writers in that room, I would literally be on the table saying it's Babe Ruth. Like he hit more home runs than teams did back then. It's it's ridiculous. Um, so Ty Cobb got ninety eight, Babe Ruth got ninety five, Holmes Wagner ninety five, Christy Mathewson ninety percent, Walter Johnson eighty three, and then there are some guys that um, and we were saying it right before, you can't put them all in at once. But Cy Young getting forty nine percent of the vote, Rogers Hornsby forty six percent. I mean. Cy Young has 511 wins. Well, when you look down that list of all the people that didn't get in, think of oh, look at all the Hall of Famers. Yeah. And then if you go all the way down to the end, receiving zero votes, Gabby Hartnett, great all time catcher, got into the Hall of Fame eventually. So he went from zero votes to a Hall of Famer. To a Hall of Famer. That's incredible. Right. Charlie and then if you look at the real quick, the next year's class, just to give you perspective, it's just as loaded. Uh, um, Cy Young, Trish Speaker, and Knapp, I always screw up his last name, uh, Lajouet. Okay. And then the year after was only Grover Cleveland Alexander. That's incredible. Like, but then and then 39 was Lou Gehrig. Yeah. So... There's they're starting to George Sisler, Eddie Collins. Yeah, they're starting to, but Rogers Hornsby is still not still not there. Yeah. That's incredible. Rogers Hornsby went. So for all for for Carlos Beltran, if you're listening out there, Rogers Hornsby had to wait like six years. Yeah. So there's uh and he didn't yeah. have a cheating scandal. So <laughs> yeah, and he batted 358 in his career. And he waited. <laughs> he waited like six years. Jesus. This, they must not have liked him. Yeah, it's right? uh, it's incredible. And Ty right. Cobb, and they talk about him about how much people hated him, and he got in the first bout. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, yeah, and Ty Cobb. I mean, yeah, <laughs> there there was a lot. Yeah, and some of it was just exaggerated some of it was probably underplayed back because back then there was no media wasn't as ever present or always around so i can only imagine pie cob in today's day and age right <laughs> but yeah babe ruth to me and if you've never been to the hall of fame to all the listeners out there you got it you got to go to the Hall of Fame at least once. It's just an amazing place. Uh, I try to go at least once every few years, yeah, every five years at least, because there's just stuff that you miss every time. And, and I'll tell you, if I lived up there, I'd probably go there like once a month. I'd buy one. Yeah, of those it's really it's incredible. It's just a it's the perfect town for that for yeah. for that. It's just a perfect marriage because it's the town yeah. is so small and. It's just a nice feel to it. But um, yeah, that's the inaugural class on this day. Hmm. Uh, well, I do have a trivia and I'll okay. 
two because I had one from last last week and I got another okay. one. This week. Um, and I'm going to tie it into the Hall of Fame for this one. Todd Helton became the fourth first baseman in the Hall of Fame to also win a Gold Glove. Who were the other three? Ooh. You'd think it'd be hmm. more, but <laughs> but when you see a guy like Keith Hernandez with eleven, Mattingly with nine, you know, yeah, uh, yeah these guys true. two are recent, uh, pretty recent, you know, like within the last twenty years or so, and the other guys further back, like from the fifties, because the Gold Glove only goes back to the early fifties, I think. I'm gonna say the the further back one. Yeah. Is don't go too far back. Fifties thing. Fifties? Okay. Oh, um Gil Hodges. Right. He won it three times. Okay. Um did what's his name? Was he a was he a first baseman long enough to win one? Right before Madden. I'm gonna say Eddie Murray. Yep. He won three. And then so it's in between Murray and Todd Helton's time. Yeah, and Helton won three as well. Is it the American League or the National? Uh, he he was uh, actually both. Both. Okay. Um, oh boy! Give me a hint. You'll get. You'll probably get him. All right, I'll I'll tell you because the other one you might you it'll be a tougher one. Uh, he played for Houston. Played for Houston. Jeff Bagwell. Right. Wow. So those are the only first basemen in the Hall of Fame that have gold gloves. Yeah, because I would imagine Keith Hernandez and Don Mattingly took up about a third of the awards. Yeah, <laughs> basically, right? I mean, 11 Jesus. I'm looking um, at it right now. I didn't realize Joe Pepitone was so good at first base. Yeah, I didn't know either. And then Bill White, I guess, in the 60s was what we we're talking about in the 80s. So look at look at Bill White's run and Wes Parker. They have from 60 into 72 in the National League. Wow. And then Steve Garvey and then Keith Hernandez. So four guys from 1960 to 88 in the National League. Amazing. That that's incredible. But yeah. All right, don't that's a crazy stat because you would think that there right, would be person. more, but yeah, you would think so. All right, don't scroll all the way down because the, my answer is all the way on the bottom of that page. Oh um, boy, this one who are the only three players to win multiple uh gold gloves in multiple positions? Ooh, and that's a really good question. I'll um, give you a hint it's not Biggio, and okay, because that's the first one I was going to say, and not Robin. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I thought so too. But multiple didn't. spots in the Hall of Fame. One was very recent. I'll give you this hint. Very recent within the last couple of years. No, oh, geez. And the other two are not old. They're both within the last 20 years at at the most. Wow. So, yeah, all these guys are uh, I'm stuck on Biggio. Um American League or National? I'm already asking for clues. Okay. Oh boy. One guy was both, and the other two guys were American only. Okay. Thank you. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> oh, Robin Yount. 
No. No. I know he played two. I know he went from the infield to the yeah. outfield, right? But he didn't, obviously. Um, hmm. Uh, no, none of them are Hall of Famers. None of them will ever be Hall of Famers. Oh, wait. I'm thinking that's why it's impossible for me to answer this, because I'm thinking Hall of Famers that did yeah. this. Yeah, get that. All right. One, the one, one of them was both American and national. Yeah, I did say it, right? Oh, two. Two out of the three are American and national. And none of them are Hall of Famers. No, and they won't be. <laughs> okay, then uh, I have no idea. I'll be honest with you. All right, one guy was a Yankee. He was the more recent one, uh, DJ LeMay. Oh, wow. Okay. With the Rockies, playing second, and he also won the utility, the new utility one. Oh, the utility one. That's right. So that wow. one, uh, Placido Palanco. Yeah, he's not a Hall of Famer. No, but he won it for second and third for Detroit. What, St. Louis maybe? Detroit and Philly. Detroit and Philly. Wow. And the last one oh boy. was a punter, Darren Erstad. Oh, first base and center field? Yep. Or first base and outfield, basically? Yeah, it says outfield, so I'm all yeah. center. Did he win both with the Angels? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Played for. Erstad? Um, he might have hung on and played somebody else at the end of his career. Yeah, I could yeah, you're probably right. He had he had a couple, I mean, he had more than a couple really good years, but he had a couple great years. He ended up one year with the White Sox and two years with the Astros. I don't remember those years, I'll be honest. And he was correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he a for a while leadoff hitter? Yeah, I think so. Because he led the league in 2000 plate appearances. Yeah. And hits. And yeah. At 355. And this this is peak steroid era baseball. He finished eighth in the MVP. Batting yeah. 355 and leading the league in hits. Yeah, he was in left or right. Uh, left or center. Was uh, Garrett Anderson was there? I think he was. He might have been center field. Okay. Garrett Anderson, I think I I put him as a left fielder. Yeah, I would think so too. I'm trying to remember. But, yeah. Yeah. Some. I'm just looking at that year that Darren Erstad had when he led the league in hits. He and only finishing eighth in the MVP voting. It's uh. Some of those names in front of them, nothing to sneeze at, but definitely not. <laughs> yeah, Manny, Edgar Martinez, Pedro Martinez, Carlos Delgado, A Rod, Frank Thomas, and Jason Giambi. Wow, Thank God. Yeah, again, I say this all the time. I could get lost on baseball reference, but check out like the late nineties MVP voting. <laughs> yeah, because you'll find guys in like the teens. That deserved an MVP award. Yeah, that 2000 year, that was the big year for Pedro too. He had 11, he had 11.7 WAR. Yeah, and then you also got the 98 year, obviously, with McGuire and Sosa. Just people like I think Greg Vaughn put up 50 home runs. Just yeah. you know, people just putting up crazy numbers and not getting anywhere near the MVP voting. It's kind of like what happened this year with um, 
oh, the first baseman, I'm forgetting his name already, in Atlanta. Oh, um, Olsen. Yeah, Matt Olsen. 54 home runs, 140 RBIs, and he right. doesn't even make it as a finalist. <laughs> I know you got to leave somebody out, but that's... Think about that at 2000 year. David Justice hit 41 home runs, 118 RBIs. And what was he like, 10th? 13th. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, not every, I know not every year is the same. That's what makes it great. But yeah, 13th, you can't put, you can't put that in the biography. I finished 13th in the MVP voting. <laughs> like, you know, that, that, you know, lesser year, that almost wins it. Look at quickly, look at the 2000 NL MVP. Todd Helton, fifth. And look at his season. What do you bat, like 360 probably? 372. <laughs> 42 home runs, 147 RBIs. Yeah, and he probably played great defense and probably had just as many walks as strikeouts and a ton of doubles. Jeff Kent ends up the MVP that year. Incredible. Well, so Jeff Kent won something. There you go. But uh, yeah, no, I mean the the Hall of Fame. Again, if if you get anything from this episode, it's the Hall of Fame is worth going to because it's no just an incredible place. But um, we've got what two and a half weeks until pitchers and catchers report. So in a couple episodes after we finish up the free agency and hopefully our teams get some more players, but uh, in a couple of weeks we can start doing the um, preview for the twenty twenty four season. But um. Until then, this was episode 133 of Talking Rivals. You can find us on Twitter or X at Talking Rivals. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, give it, give us a like, uh, listen, subscribe. We appreciate it. And you can find us on Sportswire Radio at sportswireradio.org, Sportswire with a Z. Um, and follow Thomas Bryce, the station manager, at Thomas Bryce 2017 for all the other good shows. And uh, Chris is at CP7NY. I am at Patrick Trotty. And uh, until next time, have a great week. See you next week.